Hello, everybody, and welcome to the UX podcast at Shopify. My name is Lola Yolayo Pearson. I am UX director on Multichannel. And I'm delighted today to kick off the series that I'm hosting with an interview and a conversation with our Shopify head of UX discipline, Cynthia Savard Saucier. Hi, Cynthia. Hi, Lola. I'm extremely excited to be here today. Oh, love it. So let's start with, tell us a little bit about your background and your journey through Shopify to becoming head of discipline, because that's even a concept that I think other people might not necessarily understand. I'd love to hear your take on, on how you got here. Yeah. So I used to work in a web agency doing websites. And at one point I was a little bit sick of doing lipstick websites that didn't have a lot of meaning and impact into the world. (laughs) So a recruiter from Shopify reached out to me and offering me a design position in Montreal. And I was like, yeah, okay. But I was already leading a team, you know? And they were like, well, you're going to be a designer, like an IC. And at first I was like, "Hmm, okay, do I want it to be like the biggest fish in the tank or not? (laughs) Yeah. And I went for it. And initially the, the recruiter was like, Hey, if you have a lot of impact, you can grow your team and you can become a lead quickly. And I was like, I hope they're not like bullshitting me and like (laughs) telling me things just to recruit me. And then like later it turns out it's not true, but it turns out they were not kidding. So after just a few months, I, I was already getting an intern and then later I started um, hiring people and I basically did it all. I became, I, I was like a designer and then I started championing some projects and that went pretty well. And then I started hiring my team. And then I went on maternity leave three years ago. And just before I left, the um, chief design officer brought me in the office and said, Cynthia, you're becoming a director. And I was like, yay, oh, wow. I made it. <laughs> so that felt really great. Specifically, that I was like super pregnant at that point. And I was like, it feels so good to work at a place that recognizes that me being on a break isn't a step back in my career, quite the opposite. Yeah. And then I came back for three years and I kept growing and started leading more senior uh, designers, senior front-end developers, researchers, content strategists. And yeah, I went back again on maternity leave for my second child last year and while I was away I actually received a phone call from Lindsay Thornton who was the head discipline in the past and she wanted to focus on managing our product line so she's the GM for a product line which is as you know like a big role and she felt like she was just not giving enough attention to the UX discipline so she actually offered me the position while I was away on maternity leave so there's a joke in my family and Toby if you're (laughs) listening to this if I have a third child I'm gonna come back as a CEO yeah, clearly there's like a, a pattern of projection. But I, I think it's really lovely that if we step away from UX for a second, just that ability to grow quickly and be rewarded. Like in either case, were you aware that you were being considered for like a promotion? Was it an intentional thing or was it more just like genuinely people seeing the work that you were doing and uh, approaching you with the opportunity? Well, I've always been ambitious about what I wanted to be and what how I wanted to grow so that was definitely intentional like I put in the intention when I came came to work and I was certainly serious about my job however I was not targeting that role specifically or I I wasn't considering that this role was even open but we always say like it's not because we have one person that is not because we have one director that we can have two for example this is something that we say often and we're all swimming or we're, we're all running our own race. 
And that's sort of how I've navigated Shopify so far. And it paid off. <laughs> so yeah. I was targeting the head of the discipline at that point. Yeah. And one of the reasons I was not thinking about it, well, first, there was already someone doing that, that job. And second of all, yeah. it's a different job. Like it's a completely different position. So right before I left, I was leading UX for channels, our own product line. So that means literally like having a very large UX team reporting into me. So a lot of reports, direct reports, leading the team structurally. And then you're accountable for the quality of the work, but you have people reporting to you. So it's sort of a direct impact and yeah. it's influencing and being accountable for the quality of what is under you. I'm doing air quotes right now. Yeah. And right now my job is entirely horizontal. It's not vertical anymore. I have to be accountable mm -hmm. for the quality of the work of people that do not report into me. So yeah. the reality is I have to take care of culture. I have to take care of onboarding, of training. I have yeah. to make sure the discipline is healthy, that people are happy and healthy and doing their best work. And this is how I can be accountable for the work. This is how I can ensure that the UX team is producing the best work ever. It is not through having one-on-ones with the whole team because it's yeah. quite large at this point. Like there's wow. over yeah. like 450 people right now on the UX team. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a big organization now, isn't it really? It's like the size of most complete companies, just our UX discipline across the company. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's a lot of people. I can't, it's so unfortunate, but I don't know everyone's name. And yet I yeah. care deeply about these people. And how yeah. can you care for someone that you don't know? Well, yeah. you try to put some programs in place to make sure that everyone levels up and it almost become not almost it becomes like all about the system that you put in place to ensure that everyone can be successful something i have noticed about shopify is we observe for the gaps and then we'll do something about the gaps faster than i would say other people have so the fact that we have a, a head of discipline who is horizontal we have a ux ops org underneath you it feels progressive because a lot of other companies that I have seen both in my experience and, and from peers take a lot longer to get to the point where they're like, oh, by the way, we probably need someone to look after this. And it's refreshing that we've always kind of had that lean and we're doubling down on that. But so let me pull back for a second. So we, we've, just, we've just done some numbers. So over 450 UX people at Shopify at the moment. Yes. Um, let's go into like, what is Shopify, what is UX at Shopify and how does it even enable that size of like, you know, craft people, discipline specific people in our, our business? Yeah, so, well, I'm assuming people listening to this right now, they understand a little bit what Shopify is, but maybe I can help adding a bit more color to that understanding. Yeah. So we often think of Shopify as the admin, like the, the admin system that, that allows people to build their online store. But mm -hmm. Shopify is so much more than that. This is obviously yeah. like a big piece of our uh, experience, but Shopify is also like our POS system. So the retail industry, like if you have a retail store, you want to have your POS system, like your point of sale system. We built that and we even design and build and ship the hardware for that POS system. We have other applications that are outside of the Shopify product. So for example, Shop is an amazing iPhone app. Like if you don't have it, like download the app right now and it allows to track your packages and discover new merchants and, and you can go back to like your order history as well, which is so great. So you, you sort of have like your history of shopping online, which is so great. Like one of my favorite features so far. 
And then we have like all of these other products as well that we might not even consider product. But if you think about our, our website, Shopify.com, it's a massive website. Like the numbers there are staggering. So when you consider all these pieces together, it's a very large organization, a very complex one, a very deep, intricate, and all one that is driven by the same mission, which is not said in a cheesy way internally. When we say we want to make commerce better for everyone, we're very serious about it. And we we think about, about commerce as this very genuine, positive thing, constructive thing that is a part of like humanity of a society we think about commerce as you buying something from someone else empowering them to live their life and you now having this thing that allows you to complete a task that you needed to do it's it's a very it's a great mission it's one that is really humbling frankly mm -hmm. and I feel amazing about working there and I know for a fact that people feel good about working for a mission that drives them so I got lost a little bit on the mission. I get passionate about it. <laughs> I really do. No, I, I think it's it's a great point. Like we say, one of our uh, our top value is merchant obsession, right? We care about the outcomes that our work allows, enables in our merchants' lives, not just the fact that they now have a pretty website and they have the ability to sell one product. It's that that is a path to success for them individually and societally and stuff. And I, it's a big ambition and a big obsession, but I love it. But it's also great grounding for like how UX plays a role in that. So like, tell us about that element of it, the, the, the bit that the UX team participates in, and contributes to that mission and value system. Yeah, so Shopify is definitely, well, was co-founded by the person that became the chief design officer. So right from the get-go, design has always been like a very important piece of the company. So UX has never had to fight for a place or a seat at the table. We hear that all the time in the industry. Like, how do you uh, make a case for the return on investment of UX? And I'm like, this is almost laughable internally because there's a perfect buy-in for UX at Shopify. Yeah. And this is great because when we consider our mission and I go back to the mission, I know I'm expected to, but I really care about it. But when you go back to the mission, like we have to understand how humans are behaving if you want to make commerce better for everyone. And thankfully, this is what UX does. So when you think about UX at Shopify, it includes a lot of different disciplines. So people might not be aware, but we use UX as the umbrella term for the discipline. It, it includes design, so product design and uh, communication design. It includes uh, UX development, so our front-end team, research and content design. We've just recently renamed the content strategy team to content design to reflect better what they do. So all of these people have one thing in common is that they care about users more than any other discipline. And of course, like everyone cares about the users at Shopify, but we have this thing that really drives us and we're enabled. We have the resources and we have the buy-in to actually go ahead and do it, which is amazing. Like I don't work at a place that where I have to sell my discipline, which is really great. <laughs> and I think that'll be music to a lot of designers ears. Well, actually maybe it's like split. So like, if you've been in this industry for a while, you know, I put my yeah. hands up, you've had to sell yourself. You've had to be like, prove I make good ROI. And we're getting to the point where it's like, if you have to do that, you probably it's probably not a good environment for design to, to actually be done properly. And, and genuinely at Shopify, there's an expectation that the experience is front and center and it's well considered. It's 
completely refreshing that like all of that stuff gets out of your way and you get to apply yourself to just what is the problem what do I need to do to help solve the problem like that in itself frees up a ton of just energy and like gets the best designers just doing great work which is something that I have loved seeing here yeah and even structurally as you know you're part of a trifecta a trifecta is how we organize our teams and our groups and our products so there's multiple layers of trifecta so at a team level there is a trifecta that includes product design and engineering so there's always at least three people making product decisions together and it's really great to know that by default we're going to be included and only a UX person can decide that there should not be a UX person leading the team so it's an opt-out type of situation which is really really uh, amazing and it feels like you're always heard. It feels like your opinion matters and it feels like your discipline is respected and valued internally. And that is worth so much. And I was just like you, like working in an agency before that where we had like to enter timesheet and we had to sell our work to clients. And the amount of time I had clients like, oh, why don't you just design something quickly? Like on the side of the table, like, oh, just sketch something. It'll be great. Yes, just make it look pretty. And all of these cliche when you're a designer, that actually like ends up (laughs) killing you softly (laughs) inside and slowly. And yeah, now that we talk about it, I remember (laughs) how I hated that. And and I just realized that I haven't had to do that for the past five years, which is so great. Well, I think honestly, it's night and day the experience of like walking into a room where you don't have to first walk someone through why should we do it this way and what is all of my process it's like just get to the outcome and I wonder if I can get you a little bit so you've introduced trifectas which I find like a really powerful vehicle one of the things and I think in terms of people who succeed at Shopify is the idea of collective ownership of the product that comes through that trifecta model. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think it's, I certainly feel like it's not an expectation you would have of what the designer's role is, but it is something that we expect everybody in the company to to kind of take ownership of. Yes. So like, if you've ever like read something about Toby or heard Toby speak, he cares so much about radical ownership and accountability. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is, really understood across a company. We want everyone to feel like owners, to feel like they own the product on which they work. And that, that's just so important and critical. As a designer, you are as responsible for making good product decisions than the product manager on your team. The product, this, the product manager sort of owns that process of decision-making, obviously. But if you do not believe that it is going in the right direction, you are expected to speak out. You are expected to own that conversation and drive it forward and then of course like not everyone will always agree with your perspective but if you if you don't speak up then you are responsible for the failure of that project and this is understood and this is something that I cannot stress enough like you have to own and act like an owner when you're on a team and that is true whether you are a designer I I said designer but Like if you're a front-end developer, like a UX developer, you are also expected to own the quality of what is 
what you put out there. You are expected yeah. to be part of those meetings. You aren't just like working on your own things in isolation and just yeah. delivering the product. This is not the type of people we're looking for at Shopify. Like we want people that want to own a piece of the product and own a piece of the solution as well. Yeah. And I, I find that fascinating because it is a really powerful muscle to develop here. And like you can have a steep trajectory, but it's also career liberating because what I have seen is UX people at Shopify moving into product roles so that, that, you know, typically you wouldn't have a GM like Lindsay, who is, has a background as a researcher. We maybe are more used to seeing heads of marketing or heads of product or commercial leads become GMs. But the fact that she's done that, and we've got a lot, a lot of other UX leaders across the company who are becoming heads of organizations with like product people and engineers reporting into them. I think that's because of that radical ownership. It's because we're trained to think about the whole. And so from a career perspective, it, it opens up everything you could want to contribute to without being limited to, I'm always going to be the UX designer or the interaction designer or just the researcher, or I'm just going to code this front end. It's like, you could be so much more than that in, in the long term, you know? Yeah, you're right. This is something that in the past we had, we couldn't articulate well to the team because we didn't have like career paths that were supporting that. So mm -hmm. a few years ago, we've introduced something that is quite popular in the industry, but was not a thing at Shopify. So you mm -hmm. can either take the IC path or the management path. So yeah. once you become a leader, so at our level, a leader is L7, then you can decide either you want to go on the uh, individual contributor path and become a, a staff crafter, a senior staff or a principal crafter, which is director level. So there's a lot of growth for individual contributors as well. And this also gives the opportunity for someone that cares more about delivery and the quality of the work to also say, well, it is amazing that I have this opportunity to own the product entirely, but I also just want to um, fulfill myself through delivery. And yeah. you can do that. That being said, as you grow on the individual contributor path, you also have the responsibility to level up the discipline in which you are. So if you become a principal designer, well, we certainly want you to help bring other new designers to that level with you. Yeah. So it's also not like go do your things and work in isolation and don't talk to anyone ever. Like it's Shopify is a social environment. It's a social yeah. company. You do have to build those relationships. And that's a key part of being successful at Shopify is building relationships in a way that is that is productive to you. Like we definitely understand that some people are introverts and some people are extrovert. That is all good and won't go in the way of you being successful, but you still have to, to grow these relationships intentionally. It's very much an applied environment, if, if that makes sense. Like there are no passengers on this boat. You know, everybody's yeah. like working hard. Maybe it's like a uh, a navy air aircraft carrier like there you know it's like thousands and thousands of people yes but there are very very clear applications of like your effort and your investment and your time and you get a lot of reward for that you know it's it's super evident I want to maybe dig into like something that I know often comes up for a lot of UX people is how research works because you know some environments have all the design as you were saying earlier on all the lipstick but not necessarily the the like the process and the end-to-end real things that need to be evidenced in order to make sure that you're actually designing in a human-centered way. So how do we as a UX discipline speak practically uh, to like our merchant obsession? So what role does research play? How do we make sure that that 
continues to contribute to the outcome that we're looking for? Yeah, that's a great question. So research at Shopify doesn't operate exactly like the research discipline operates in other companies. So mm -hmm. for one, we really value the output of research. We want researchers to help drive uh, the road mapping decisions. We want them to focus on problem spaces and really help uncover insightful knowledge and help everyone make decisions faster at Shopify. Recently, actually, the research team came up with a new direction for their own team where instead of focusing on themselves, doing a lot of the merchant validation, they want to empower other team members to do that validation because we believe that being close to our users is the way to learn about them mm -hmm. and that there's a cost to not being close to our users. So internally, there's a lot of different activities that, that exist to bridge that gap to our merchants. So for example, like every week we have um, merchant panels. So we have like merchants that are coming in and we're asking them questions. And oftentimes that is even featured as um, our company-wide town hall. So it's a company-wide um, meeting that everyone uh, watches. So it's really, really core to what we do. And then we have bridge a gap sessions, which are sessions where you're invited to follow along a, one of our support agents. Internally, we call them internal solutions. Support advisors, I believe. Excuse me. Yes. Yeah. Support <laughs> advisors. <laughs> I'm not sure what I was thinking internal solutions. I read that. <laughs> It's, it's because like everything else has like a cool wacky name and like, yeah. this one is actually just like a straight as you like what's the cool name for this one <laughs> it used to be called gurus and then we've changed it so that's why yes, exactly. um, my yeah. brain didn't go there right away <laughs> so you can follow one for an hour and you can even answer some of the messages yourself with their help so it's really really insightful and researchers on the teams are there to enable other people as well to do some research which is extremely powerful and what we want people uh, and what we want to encourage. And we have a really, really great research uh, team internally at Shopify. We think that we have the brightest mind <laughs> and I'm thinking of Dahlia, for example, on the team, like she comes in with like a PhD in math, I think. And she blows like, my mind every time. Yes, like, she's just, I'm, she's I'm in brilliant. awe. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's, she's so brilliant. And you can throw any problem at her and she will go deep and like resurface like the best insights ever. And honestly, like working with these type of individuals is amazing. And we always say like, we're not about roles, we're about people. And this is so true of research because research can be a lot of different things. It can be anything can be super helpful, but it can also be detrimental if it's not done well. So we want to double down on the people and hiring the right people for that, for that really ambiguous discipline. I love the positioning we have in the company around, again, this, this comes back to, this is going to sound like we're just parroting, but genuinely the merchant obsession thing is one of the reasons I'm here at Shopify, right? It's if we care about the outcome, everything we do is going to be better because we're orienting it and we're, we're judging it through that lens. And it's the same with research. Like we're not waiting to be asked to look at problem A. We're always looking at what is happening with the merchant. And, and the way I interact with the researchers in my team and across other teams, it's never like, oh, let me pitch you the value of my work. It's always like, this is the problem that we urgently needed to fix and so here are all the ways and it comes with comp and it comes with like dashboards and it comes with like, you know, you have all the backup there, but you can just follow along with the narrative that is again, merchant centered. 
And I, I find that just such a valuable way to think about the right problem all of the time and keep us all honest that we're like super plugged in. Um, yeah, to the clearly in. You're speaking to the choir right now, like obviously yeah, preaching to the choir. But that said, like, let me say something about like our mission and like our values. Like, obviously, it is expected that you and I think that these things are important and true, and that we care about our our our, our values. But let me put it another way: if you work at a company where the mission the mission is not important to you, or you don't care about the mission, you're not really passionate about what what it does, or you even don't believe in what it does, that the mission is not aligned with your own personal values. You will spend so much energy fighting that. You will spend energy internally being that person that is trying to swim against current. It's going to be draining. You're going to be extremely unhappy. So I always say like if someone on the team doesn't feel like these values are aligned with them, it's fine and I will I will support them finding another organization to work for and I will help them out. I will give them the best recommendation letter because I believe so strongly and I value people that put that first. And I think that's extremely mature of you to <laughs> to find that place that aligns with your own, with your personal statement of life. And I mean, you spend time working, you spend time like you spend your creative energy doing something, you might as well do it on something that matters. You might as well yeah. do it at something that you believe in. If not, like, how unfortunate, how an unfortunate way of, like, wasting your creative energy. And this is something that does not replenish. This is something that you have and that you use every day. It's, it's, I, I love that you say that because I think this is something that I always talk to um, my team about. And it's a, it's a check I use for myself, which is, we are creatives and I think more so than if you work on like a like repetitive static task when you're creative making sure your energy is centered in the right way mm -hmm. is an enabler for your work so like you said working in an environment where you're not aligned with the values makes you less innovative it kills your imagination it kills your spirit it makes everything feel heavier and harder aligning okay. to places where you are fully on board with the mission allows you to kind of unblock so every time you and you know work gets hard things get busy life gets in the way and so you have those difficult moments but then when you get to those it feels like you're always able to kind of reach for this north star and that helps you to pull through and it's so important to like keep replenishing that energy this then maybe leads to the, the a big shift that happened for Shopify this year and thinking about you know, external impacts on our mission and and the decisions we made, which is obviously, this is the year of 2020, the year of COVID, the year of pandemic, the year of, should I say WTF, what is happening? <laughs> um, and so as a business, Shopify looked at what was happening, everybody was working from home, and rather than stay in like this hybrid, we don't know what's going to happen state, as a business, we made a decision to go digital by design, right? Yes. which means we are effectively a remote first company now and if offices come back into the mix at some point in the future they're not going to become a everyday destination or an expectation that people work from an office so talk to me about the impact that has on ux and yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna lead you with the first bit the fact that like, so many of our tools are about collaboration and workshop yeah. working out in the open how have we, or how have you been encouraging our teams to think about this pivot to be in remote while still being able to achieve the same sort of high quality outputs? 
Yeah. So working from home, I came back from maternity leave learning, okay, now we're working from home. COVID happened while I was like on leave. So I was sort of living in my little bubble, which was still a COVID bubble clearly, <laughs> but it was a very different one with different like problems. And coming back to work, I was sort of expecting to find like a company in dismay and like people not knowing what to do and designers like being completely desperate about like <laughs> designing with other people around them. But that's not at all what I found. I found like a super resilient team that just like found new ways of doing things. And the first thing that I saw, for example, it, it might be very simple, but you receive a anniversary card on your first year, third year, and fifth year at Shopify and 10 year as well, but there's not that many, obviously. And I received it, I received it by the mail and I was so impressed. I was so happy about it. It made it even more impactful than if I had received it in person, like someone handing me the card. It was an even bigger surprising gift. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's actually an opportunity to make something exactly the same, but better. And then later I received a succulent box by my lead. And I was like, oh, okay. Now we can think about like, you can design your environment. Your own environment is not like individual and you can think about it for the long term. And I still have that succulent right now. It's looking at me just now and it's doing well. So thank you, Satish, for that. <laughs> and so I these were- I have mine that you sent to me as well. Like there you go. Next to the window, flourishing. <laughs> so these were just like tiny, tiny remi reminders that there was something to be done about it. But then- Super frankly, we're comparing like the very best offices in the world. Like if you've ever seen a Shopify office, it is like amazing. It's beautiful. It's super well architected. Like every room is designed and thought about like there are some people like deeply thinking about what's the function of that room and trying to optimize the lighting and the sound and all of that. Like it's the offices are amazing. They are. I mean, I know, I know we're not going to lament on it, but the thing that I was most impressed by is the range of spaces and setups that seem to suit different working styles. So like you'd have a corridor and there'd just be like this nook with two chairs and a table or another one with one chair and table and a window, which was like, come here if you just want to have some thick time on your own or, yeah. you know, tiny meeting rooms where you could just pair two people next to each other side by side. Like there was just so much care into different working styles and interaction methods that people could have that I, I can imagine. I never worked in an office. Uh, I, I started remote, but I visited one last year and I, I know that that must have felt quite difficult for people to leave behind this just superhero space, you know? Of course. So we're comparing like the very best experience of working in an office where we had people think about it to working from home where the tools aren't there, where the technology is not there, where your space and environment might not have been thought and designed and chosen for that. So obviously like, and during a world pandemic where you're not allowed to socialize and go out and like eat good food and like even thinking about food can bring anxiety to people right now. So obviously we're comparing like things are not even it's impossible to compare them. Of course, one is going to be horrible compared to the other. But you have to think and remind yourself that the, the amount of care that went into designing the office space is going to be now reapplied to designing and thinking about each and every one person's personal space. So Shopify has already given out twice like a very significant budget <laughs> for you to buy some furnitures for your office. So I'm getting an amazing spending desk and I have right now my really comfortable Armand Miller chair that I can sit Same in here. and feel, yeah, so I can feel really Headphones, comfortable. Mics, cameras, like the works have been able to do everything that I need for my setup. 
Exactly. So now that like tech setup taken care of, now when you think about the tools, well, we will design the tools. The tools aren't all there. When it comes to a designer, like there's nothing like sitting next to the other person and showing them a sketch and like collaborating on that sketch. Like I know this is something I do all the time and like <laughs> I have my notebook and I'm constantly like pointing my notebook to the camera. <laughs> it's a bit ridiculous. And then I send like pictures of sketches and the sketches look really bad on picture. And then I feel almost like shameful sending, I sent you like some sketches the other day and I was looking back at them. I was like, oh I my God, this sketches. <laughs> I loved it because I was like, I saw, I saw the color as well. And I was like, oh, I miss, I, I was thinking, it actually made me think, when was the last time I just drew? I've been dry, drawing in my notebook, notebook, but like I wanted an A3 pad to just be like, oh, let me get a pen and just start doing something. So it inspired me in the right way. Yeah, so all that to say, we will get there. We will design the tools in order to get to the same maturity that we had initially. But of course, it's going to take a bit of time. And we're already doing so much better. We're already putting together like better meetings, better tools to hold those meetings. How do you do recap videos? How do you make sure they're accessible as well? Because now we have like accessibility to think about like it's twice as important when people are isolated at home, even though like accessibility was already a thing for our offices, we wanted to make sure they were accessible to people in wheelchair, for example. Uh, there was a lot of thought that went into it, but now there's more to it. And the tools that we put in place might prevent someone from doing their best work. So we have to be extra careful there. We'll get there. I'm super confident we'll get there. And what we're doing right now is a forcing function to enable everyone to sort of define the direction where we want to be as opposed to just wait for the whole world to work remotely and then Shopify just follows along and has to fit within the tools that already exist and believe me you don't want a bank to set the standards for the remote experience. Well this is it and I, I was going to say this is something that I for a lot of people I know is uncomfortable right but Shopify will make it's one of our values we make good decisions quickly yeah and with that comes a scenario that it feels like not everything, not all of the impacts have been considered, but mm -hmm. we also hire great people and have a high standard and expectation that everybody cares about the whole, not just their bit. And so the idea is we make this, we make this decision and then everybody contributes to making it better and like yeah. managing the impact. And I, I value that level of accountability from the company because in other environments, it's a little bit more patriarchal you know you're handheld and you're not given a lot of wriggle room because it boils down to like a cost decision or like you know some optimization tactic in in an internal ops team that doesn't necessarily have any awareness of the work you're doing so I feel like this is the better way to do it um, and yeah you talk about like uh, we talk about uh, ownership and accountability when it comes to the product but that is also true of like the tools we use and the way we work so we have a ton of like team members are just like, hey, I found out this new tool that allows us to do X, Y, Z. Let's try it out. And like, believe me, if you come to me saying like, can I try this tool to try to make this better? The answer is almost entirely, absolutely certainly yes. Go ahead, try it. And then tell us what you've learned about it. Like you have that freedom to test and try to make this company better. I always say like a lot of people are joining a company to make it better when it's small. And then when it's really great and really big and really large, people are joining it because it's great. Now we have the opportunity to have people reconsider Shopify and try to make it great again. And that is just yes. an amazing opportunity for us. Absolutely. This has been 
a really awesome conversation, Cynthia, but I wanted to bring it back to like, we started with you and your career path. I wanted to see if we could end it with like you and given where you are today in your career and your life on this journey, what would your advice be to your, let's say, you know, post-grad designer self, right? Trying to figure out where should I work? What do I want to do? Like, what would you tell her about the way she was thinking about life or, or decisions she would make based on what you know now? Well, my parents, when I told them I was going in design, they were like, oh, you can't make money as an artist. And I was, I'd be like, that's not true, mom. <laughs> I'd say one. Yeah. Uh, but second of all, I've always been super self-conscious about what I was and what I liked and how I interacted with people. And we did this exercise at one point about the imposter syndrome. And basically you're asked to write what you don't like about yourself on a post-it. And then you write what you like about other people on these posts, on other post-its and you give them that post-it. And when you compare them, it's really funny. I actually keep the post-it next to my computer. I see them right now. And the post-it I wrote about myself was, I feel like I'm always too loud. I'm always talking. I cut people and I feel super self-conscious about that. And all the posts that, that I received of what people admired of me were systematically, systematically about me speaking up, me not being afraid to speak my mind, me not being afraid of saying things that I believe, me being able to advocate and to challenge and to debate certain topics. So basically, like literally what I hate about myself is my superpower. And I have to take ownership of that and use it as my superpower as opposed to be afraid and try to tame my own instinct of talking and speaking up. Like, this is not how I'm successful. I'm not success successful as being silent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I'd say like, this is true of everyone, literally everyone. Think about the thing you hate about yourself. And this is probably your super superpower. We don't hire people because they're all around well-rounded people, individuals, they can do everything equally good-ish. We hire people because they're really good at something. And then they display a lot of coachability for these other things. Yeah. This is what is going to make you successful. So double down on that thing you hate about yourself. Yeah, I love that. I think I probably have a similar one. It's just like, yeah, talk too much. But actually, that has been my superpower. That has been the thing that's got me through yeah. my career. So yeah. Um, Cynthia, this has been an awesome conversation. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully it's been useful and insightful and triggered lots of questions and thoughts in our audience's head about UX at Shopify. So please do feel free to reach out to us and on Twitter or you know check out some of our articles on Medium to find out more about what we've got. And as always, our career site is up to date with active roles. We're pretty much always hiring. And as we're remote, we're hiring all over the world. So have a look, keep an eye on it. And maybe one day we could welcome you into the Shopifolk community. Looking forward to welcome you to the team. Exactly. With open arms. Open <laughs> arms. <laughs> Thanks Thank so you, much. Bola. Bye. Thank you. Bye.